0: Hello, I am Lucas. That is Jeff. You are listening to Make Your Own Damn Podcast. Jeff, what's going on, man? How are Oh you? man,
1: I am excited today. We're both in great moods today. We just like you're back from KillerCon, which yes. we'll be a little bit about that at the very end of the show in the plugs portion, I suspect. And yeah. um, I was at just at the Portland Hot Sauce Expo, which was like fucking awesome. I watched the world record holder for eating the most Carolina reaper peppers attempt to beat their own world record and they failed and i watched him backstage and vomit and it was <laughs> great that what we do with today's episode there are
0: awesome pictures of it uh on jeff's instagram uh, oh yeah
1: yeah yeah check out my instagram i got some great behind backstage photos of because you could just literally walk around the stage and just see the people that's <laughs> like, and i got some great backs there were 13 people that competed to break the world record for eating carolina reapers and nobody did it they all made it way further than i would have and every one of them vomited and like just check me out on instagram you can find all sorts of fun pictures from my day at the portland hot sauce expo i also saw wrestling i saw a chihuahua beauty pageant i also (laughs) i also bought like way too much hot sauce like i'm set for years but
0: speaking of real horror yeah
1: but 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 you know what that I was like, that's heat, and we we picked this today's episode as kind of our end of the summer special. We didn't make yeah. that clear at all in last episode of why we're doing the town that dreaded sundown, but we were having a discussion that, about like, let's pick something that feels summertime, and yeah. that we did learn that this movie does not technically take place in the summer. <laughs> In, However, in act three,
0: te- act three sort of does
1: act three sort of does. However, I did learn that the entire movie was filmed um, in the mid- in, in summertime. Well, uh, yes, it was filmed in summertime during a heat wave in Texarkana. And so I feel that this very much gets across that summer vibe. You can feel heat wave in this yes. movie. Yes, you
0: can. <laughs> um, so we're gonna, yeah. So uh, the the film, of course, there are only. I mean, I'm sure there are more, but there are only two uh, famous uh, famous uh, horror movies or exploitation cult movies uh, that were shot in Texarkana. Um, so um, if you were to guess one of them, uh, you'd you, you'd have you know fifty fifty shot. Uh, we are talking though about. Um, the Town That Dreaded Sundown.
1: Yes, the we are going to be in this episode. This episode is going to be a little bit different than yeah. the other episodes we've recorded. Because what we're going to be talking about in this episode is the original 1976 proto-slasher film. We're mm-hmm. also going to be discussing the 2014 sequel remake meta-commentary. And there's no way to talk about both of these movies Without also discussing the actual real-life case of the Texarkana um, Moonlight Murders, also known as the Phantom Slayer from Texarkana, um, a still to this day, unknown serial killer from 1946.
0: Yeah, uh, he came and went like a phantom, you may say.
1: No, um. I will get a little bit of a spoiler here. And anyone that's seriously familiar with the... Um, Texarkana serial killer. We are almost certain we know who he was. Oh no shit! No shit! No shit! And just okay. can leave that spoiler for the end over why the murder started, why we're almost certain we know who they were, and why they were charged with it. But you'll find out. Ooh. Stick around, f- stick around, everybody. But so, Lucas, what is your history with? Let's start from the original movie. Let's just like let's start with the original movie what is your history with the town that dreaded sundown
0: oh man um i can't remember if i mentioned it uh off mic or on recording last week but either way like i'm going to say it anyway um i saw the cover for this movie at blockbuster as a very young child and i was so fucking scared of this asshole in a burlap sack mask um that i i like refused to see this movie for years um i was like well, it's, just it's really, more like a
1: it's more like a pillow it's a white pillowcase that he has pulled down yeah and, had, and like tied so it right fits around it's like tied around his neck Ooh. so it fits around his head so it's not when i say what white pillowcase it's for anyone that hasn't seen it, it's, not, it's not a kkk looking thing at all right 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 it's, it's more like and there's no way to avoid it it's, it's more like the zodiac killer but instead of it being a black hood it's a white hood
0: well it's also i would also say it gets i mean essentially ripped off in Friday the 13th part two. Yes. Yes. It's um, yes. the, the mask that Jason wears before he dons the hockey it's ex- mask.
1: It's exactly the same in Friday. Like what, what Jason is wearing in Friday the 13th part two is just straight up taken from the town of Dredd Sundown. I refuse. Yeah.
0: There's no play, way. There's no way. That's
1: coincidence. It.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a, I almost feel like that's a whole other episode because that's, this is not the only Uh, proto slasher that friday the 13th part two pulls from Uh, (laughs) but um uh yeah so i saw that mask and you know as a as a young kid it just i don't know for some reason it just really freaked me out i kind of suspect part of it was the this is a true story uh being on the cover you know and not really knowing how time works as a, as a kid, I just see true story and I was like, Oh shit, that guy's still out there. You know, um, <laughs> which
1: which which was part of the selling of this movie, which we're going to get to the fact that yeah. the fact that this guy might be still out there is like a gigantic, gigantic focus of both what happened because of this movie and also what inspired the remake sequel requel i've heard (laughs) requel used before which i'm kind of yeah remake sequel a requel i mean i
0: know i know what it means but that's interesting i never heard that before um yeah yeah so i i kind of my memory on when i first actually saw it is a little foggy but i'm almost almost tempted to say i i i finally went back and watched it when the the requel came out and i watched them back to back that's i don't know for some reason i'm i'm having a hard time pinning down exactly when i watched it but it feels right to mention them like that i watched them around the same time um yeah um I, re- I mean I remember really liking it um but this is uh, uh watching it for the show was actually only my second time watching it
1: uh, so in fact uh that's actually true for me for both the sequel and the re i'm sorry for both the original and the sequel slash remake um I had actually only seen them once before before viewing from the show and yeah i will confess Town tra- of dreaded sundown was one of those movies that i had always heard about but i'm not a slasher fan i i probably talked about that before on this episode but i'm not sure of which episodes i i'm really not a slasher guy i think Mm -hmm. i think most slashers for a subgenre of horror that's supposed to be all about uh the violence the act of brutality i think they're like really tame and so i kind of think they're lame (laughs) i'm like i think i think most slasher movies kind of lame uh like you if i, if I we just see, like, we yeah. just
0: lost half our audience
1: yeah yeah i know sorry and i greet uh the town of town that de- dreaded sundown is like one of those b slasher movies and uh when that requel came out i was like oh i've never actually seen the original i guess i should check that out um and i did and i remember coming away from it being like oh that was way better than i expected it to be that was actually a pretty good movie and I saw the requel, and I was like, wow, that was really better than I expected it to be. That was a pretty good movie.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: Um, also, like, revisiting them, The Town that dreads Dread Sundown, it's not, a, it's not a slasher movie. I, I see where a lot of slasher movies took influence influences from this. I see why a lot of slasher fans latch on to this movie. But I'm like, it, it's not a slasher movie. I, I right. don't know what you call it, but there's, like, some things that's like, well, what would you call it? it's a horror movie it's like yeah. well what subgenre it's it's not really a subgenre it's 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 just a horror movie like it's there, like
0: it's, a crime horror movie i would say like in like, a way like, 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 like
1: texas chainsaw massacre be it like i know this movie gets compared to it a lot but that's hmm. like another one like it's it's pretty slasher but it's not a slasher movie and it's like well what type of horror movie is it it's a horror movie
0: it's interesting that they're both both they're both southern.
1: Movies. Both southern. Both both also also uh, based off of real life crimes, whereas though Texas Chainsaw Massacre only has like a whiff of the real crimes that supposedly inspired the movie. This movie, which we're going to get I mean, into, this is, is
0: basically much, a docudrama.
1: It's, it's it's a docudrama until the last 10 minutes.
0: Oh, wow. I, yeah, okay.
1: It's a docudrama until the last 10 minutes and um some of you may be like what about the trombone scene oh 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 oh, don't you worry we will get to the trombone scene and weirdly enough there is a real life thing that that trombone scene is referencing okay yes there is there is i know i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to dropping these bombs on you all so
0: when you watch this movie um this time around where did you watch it you watched it on amazon or something
1: Uh, i i watched what was the um the essentially uh sc- shout um scream factory has a okay
0: so it was like it would, the h it was like the hd yes! version yeah yeah,
1: yeah. It did, which looked
0: fucking great i was gonna say this movie looks fucking good dude yeah like, the
1: shout factory uh like re release of this looks amazing i was shocked at how good it looks yeah yeah it's, it's a new um it, yeah it's a new transfer that was done by um shout factory yeah and, like and if people are like wait didn't you say scream factory scream factory is like the horror imprint of shout right, factory right. so if i if i use them in interchangeably it's because they are the same company
0: yes um yeah like yeah, I mean, it
1: looks so fucking good
0: like a few really things surprised. really popped for me as far as like you know the visual of it like the uh scene where um uh one of the uh officers is driving around in the rain like after like, during the first, I guess, or I'm sorry, during the second uh, attack, you know, when there's the shooting, um, like, there's this, like, you can, like, see the rain, like, coming off the windshield, and it's just, like, so detailed. Like, it just, it just, it's just so crisp. And then the other is, I guess it's that same scene, is that the woman is, like, tied to the tree, and, like, her dress, like, really pops against, like, the earthy tones. Like, I just thought that was really, really cool.
1: That scene looked great. Um, Here We'll have to get into the visuals of it, but let me just quick read from uh, Shout Factory's website a just brief summary of the movie, just in case for anyone that's like, okay, great. I know this deals with something with a serial killer, but what's this movie about? Mm -hmm. So from Shout Factory's website, don't get caught in this town after sundown. When two young lovers are savagely beaten and tortured on a black country road in Texarkana, local police are baffled. Three weeks later, two more people are slain in a similar setting, and Deputy Norman Ramsey fears a pattern might be developing. Texas Ranger J.D. Morales of Ben Johnson and the Wild Bunch is brought in to help. Two officers must find the Phantom Killer before he can kill again. Also, starring Andrew Prine of Grizzly, which is definitely a movie we could totally cover on this I show. I love
0: Grizzly. Grizzly, yeah. okay,
1: we, we should. We gotta do an Animal Attacks episode or something like that. Yeah. And Don Wells of Gilligan's Island. Who the fuck is he in Gilligan's Island? I haven't sure. seen Gilligan's Island in probably like almost 30 years. Yeah. Apparently. I no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Directed by Charles B. Pierce of The Legend of Boggy Creek, which we yes. kind of bring that in at some point in this episode. And based on one of America's most baffling murder cases, this horrifying suspense thriller is a shocking experience you'll never forget. Mm-hmm. No, actually, no, actually right there is like, what kind of a, what kind of a horror subgenre? would this be in? it's never horror subgenre um seven and silence of the lambs is in this movie's also in
0: yeah i could see that um and i i I do also see like why the why it is considered like a a proto slasher as well though because like the um i mean the death scenes are really like drawn out and like there's an emphasis on them you know um they you 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 kind of i don't know like they don't really they're they're actually pretty unflinching for the time um yeah i don't know
1: so first off let's talk let's start here over the creation of this movie That this was created by charles b pierce and he was a regional filmmaker which is a concept that we've talked about a bunch of times Right. on this show but let's go into it again for anybody um listening that hasn't heard the episodes that we talked about that a regional filmmaker is literally a concept that no longer exists the best way that you could equate it to monday filmmaking is um somebody in france making a film for a french audience but even so though even in that con- with no intent to distribute it to anywhere else in the world but even in that context there's still home releases there's still bootlegs like you can still get your hands on it if you're american yeah. in the united states they used to be regional markets It's like the northeast the south the southwest the northwest the west coast the mid like um middle of country whatever you call it the plains whatever yeah. and you'd have filmmakers that would make films that were designed and targeted at those local markets, in which would tie into things that people in the area would care about, um, a, a, a like Matt Stone and Trey Parker of South Park fame started with Cannibal the Musical, which was a regional film upon its first release, right. and it was right. made to only appeal uh, to people in the Colorado area. I would argue that
0: like I, I I wouldn't say it doesn't exist, but I would say like it definitely like doesn't have. It just doesn't have the distribution that it did. Like well, well,
1: ironically it has way more distribution because with these regional filmmakers that right, right, right. didn't live in that area, you would most likely never see this movie. Yeah which is also why some of these movies existed as almost pseudo legends for decades until home media really got in the oh, swing right. because right. if it didn't come from that area, you didn't see that movie, but other people did and you'd hear them talk about it or you'd see them write it up in like the horror fanzines and shit like that. And um, uh, Charles uh, B Pierce was highly involved in that scene with like very like Texas area, that part of the South. And he had success before on the Legend of Boggy Creek. Or is it Boogie Creek? Uh, it's Boggy. 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 Legend of Boggy Creek um, with the Fock Monster, which is based around um, Arkansas.
0: Yeah, and it's like a Bigfoot-type creature that lives, um, you know. The, you know.
1: <laughs> the Stinkgate bands, all that type of shit. And, boy, Legend of Boggy Creek, that's a movie that you ask, like, some Gen Xers. Um, and they will tell you about this terrifying movie they saw in their youth. Like, really? Oh, yeah. P- for some reason, Legend of Boggy Creek got like a VHS release in the uh, like 80s or that, yeah. and uh, or maybe the I don't know. I don't so know, it's like
0: their Blair Witch projects. Yes.
1: Oh my God. There's so yeah. many people um it's it's hysterical to believe if you ever watched legend of boggy creek right now because it's,
0: it's a perfectly fine film but i i i didn't find it frightening I, at all
1: i'll be honest with you i find it a chore to get through
0: that's fair i like it i like i like how i don't know i like a lot about it but yeah
1: <laughs> i just looked up on this a uh, uh, wikipedia page apparently it um oh okay um it it, it it apparently was popular on like VHS bootleggers black markets because it didn't have an official release until the early 2000s for home media. And so it was mm-hmm. one of those bootlegging movies. And so like, man, though I've heard so many people online bring up people that are older than me bring up like I saw Legend of Boggy Creek when I was a kid and like it fucked me up for life. Like that traumatized kids. Don't know why. But that's kind of like you know the stink ape, the um, Sasquatch-like creature, local legend in Arkansas. And so uh, the film uh, Charles Pierce wanted to pull had some amount of success from that, did some other movies that weren't as successful, and wanted to kind of pull from local legend. So he decided to go with the Phantom of Texarkana, 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 which for anyone that's unaware. Texarkana is actually a county that is in both Arkansas and Texas, and it is the state line actually goes through the county. And the reason for this is that it was actually an area that was part of a border dispute between the two states, and the states kept fighting over who actually had the border, and the county did the fun thing of being like, Fuck it. We're both. And their town county <laughs> charter has it. We're both. And this is also not a fun fact here. Actually, it's the only fun for people like me, so probably not for most people. But it is the uh, only place in the United States that has a a uh, courthouse and a post office. They're on a state line and has jurisdiction in both. Oh, no shit. No shit. Um, so it's the only place in the united states have, i'm actually just quick double checking that i is it courthouse or is it the um uh state house now now uh, i am wondering i'm not, not courthouse or um or um mayor's house, whatever i'm forgetting whatever it's not important now i've already like i'm, I'm getting the minutia of uh local politics buildings i think i'm the only one that cares about this it's here <laughs> at all. so moving past that regardless i do know the i do know the post office literally sits on the state line and it's the only post office in the united states that sits on the state line huh cool but um so texarkana they had in 1946 a serial killer uh killed five people uh injured another three Using a gun, Uh, the three that survived report that the killer wore a white, um, white like uh, pillowcase over their head with holes cut out for their eyes. And the killings went on uh, through in real life between February and May of 1946. There was roughly, like, three weeks in between each killing. They suddenly started. They escalated very quickly. They also involved, which neither of the movies include, but they make reference to, um, the ki- the killer, as they escalated, also started raping their victims. Um, oh, wow. That's not in the movies. And
0: Although the uh, it, infamous it trombone it, it scene is, is shot in a very, like, I don't know, it's almost shot like a violent... Yes. Love scene.
1: That's that's why I'm kind of like they hint at it a bit that there yeah was, there was a sexual as 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 this killer escalated in real life there became a sexual component of it and then just as suddenly they started they stopped and yeah um technically we don't know who the killer is but we we'll get to that as this episode goes on <laughs> um but that's uh but to be honest like in terms of what happened with these killings the movie is shockingly accurate for several of the murders. Now the trombone murder, we're going to, um, get to, but okay. all the other acts of violence are very, very accurate to what happened in real life. Really? Like, um, the first attack, uh, with uh pistol whipping the guy, uh, uh does he survive or does he die? Yeah,
0: uh, both both people in the first attack survive.
1: That's right. And in the second attack they both die, correct? Yes. Yes. And that is that is what happened in real life. To a T. On Lover's Land, the exact scenarios are the same. The exact way they were injured is the same. The exact way they were killed was the same. Damn. That the movie okay. is very, very accurate on that. And then we get to the um the uh second double murder. So, okay, we're going to get into it here. So we're going to get to the yeah. trombone scene. Right. And it's a second double murder. And why – so all that is very accurate except for the trombone. Why the fuck is there the trombone murder in this movie, Lucas? Do you have any idea what's – because you have to admit, it is a little bit of zaniness that's completely out of place in the course of the entire movie.
0: It is. I mean, the movie does have some comedy in it. Um, like, there's some – like there there is like one cop character named sparkplug who is very specifically like a comic relief type uh character um but yeah the uh as far as having it in the the murder scene it is weird like cuz it is just it does seem very out of left field but yeah i i have no idea what, what it's doing there it's very memorable it's very well shot um but I, I I don't know like how it, it ended up so, in the movie
1: it's so ridiculous, and it's also kind of like weirdly menacing as he's like yes, blowing yes. into it, and he can't play the trombone. and I don't know for anyone listening that doesn't play horns, but if you think you can just put a horn to your mouth and start blowing into it, and noises coming out, oh my God, are you wrong? Yeah, horns, very, but, very yeah, wrong. yeah, you're very, very wrong. Uh, <laughs> actually, it's not at all how horns work. How horns work is a mystery to me. I have no idea how people play horns. I have held horns before, and I've tried to make noises with them. I have no idea how people make noises with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't but, know either.
1: But the killer getting frustrated, well, I'm not even sure frustrated is the right word. Just getting menacingly with blowing through it is so bizarre. Okay, so do you remember that that murder scene happens after a concert yes yes that is true in real life that the woman who was murdered or the girl who was murdered she was 15 in real life um she uh played saxophone in that band in real life Mm. and she was playing a concert and then went and on the way home nobody knows exactly what happened but she was most likely with her significant other you know lovers lane and it all went awful for them and in this was kind of like some of the early days of crime reporting when these murders happened and there was the crime reporters like to report on the lurid detail that uh sure. her saxophone that she played had been taken from the car and thrown into the woods and discarded, and she was strapped to a tree um she was i'm um, sorry uh she was found i believe she was found propped up against a tree if i recall correctly and shot okay. is what happened in real life but so like oh, okay okay so like yeah because uh, that's
0: how the 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 woman in the in the first or in the second uh attack dies um shot you know, against the and, tree.
1: And she also in, in, in real life the mur- like the killer kept using guns. The, yeah. The the yeah. murder was a gun serial killer in real life. Um which you don't actually see that often with serial killers because uh that means the actual murder the actual killing isn't the whole point. That there's other right. things that's the point. I guess they wanna kill somebody. Yeah.
0: There's but a distance involved.
1: So so, okay, like, so her saxophone was tossed aside. Oh, so the horns is just making a reference. Oh, no, 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 no. This it, it gets even deeper. This is an example <laughs> of a filmmaker being too clever for their own good, and it comes across uh, in the end kind of silly. Um, there was, in real life, H.B. Tennyson, who also went by the nickname duty um, who committed suicide in 1948 and in his suicide he left behind a confession note saying that he was the Texarkana phantom and he committed all of the murders. He also played in the same band as that victim and Lucas, can you tell me what instrument he played in that band?
0: Uh, the tuba.
1: No. He played trombone.
0: I figured, I figured.
1: So the um, trombone murder is a reference to one of the people who confessed to committing confessed. the murders okay. in real life, which, by the way, he most likely did not commit the murders. We're going to get to that.
0: All right, all right. We're
1: going to get to it, but that guy most likely did not commit the murders, but the movie is making a little cheeky reference there to the trombone.
0: Yeah. Um. I, I do want to reemphasize, though, like as silly as that, scene sounds like it is actually like pretty effective it's
1: it's pretty brutal and you don't even realize what he's doing at first and then you do and i think that also not realizing what he's doing at first also gives it a little bit of a sexual overtone yes to it which is also vaguely referencing the fact that in real life um, well, as these words escalate, he started sexually assaulting. The well, because in victims. the very
0: next, the very next scene is is at the is the the Texas Ranger is at the uh, restaurant with the psychologist, and the psychologist is like, oh well, he's a sadist. He's into he does it for sexual pleasure. So it's yes, like, it lines it, up thematically. Like to have yeah, this, they
1: just didn't want to go that far for this movie. Like for right. whatever reason, they didn't want to. They, they don't want to go so far as include rape scenes in this movie, and we'll get into there's probably valid reasons why they did not include like rape scenes in this movie yeah um i, I thought of it just being like how uncomfortable somebody might find that they're like in terms of depiction art, right, there's actually probably much more real world reasons why they didn't, which we're gonna get into here gotcha. and gotcha. and so then there's also like the home killing in this movie, the guy sitting reading the newspaper getting shot through the window yeah yeah which, that, that happened in, that happened in real fucking life that's what actually happened
0: and they you could almost argue they play that scene for laughs in a little bit
1: oh my god like, i actually gets- no, i actually think that that is like people are like, Jeff, you watch all this awful shit. There's like nothing bother you. And they're like actually the things that bother me in movies is the things that doesn't bother anybody else. And it's yeah. the random act of violence that results in somebody's death. Now, like I always like to bring up the example of uh, from the Transformers movies when they're having the battle on like in the first movie or second, whatever it was, I've only seen like one or two of them. I don't even know. Um, but they have a scene where they're fighting on a freeway in LA and they're just batting the cars aside. It's like everyone in all those cars is dead and you're just like driving to work or you're going on a road trip or something. And then suddenly just a giant robot shows up. Hits your car and you're dead. And it's like that sudden randomness of like the bystanders. That's what actually disturbs me. And like that guy just sitting there reading his newspaper and then just getting shot in the head through the window. I did not find that funny at all. I find it really interesting that you you found it funny because I thought that scene was (laughs) really funny. It's not what happens. That's my worst nightmare. That's like, that's.
0: It's his wife in the other room's reaction that makes me laugh where she just goes. Floyd, did you break something?
1: <laughs> I, see, I didn't, I didn't find that funny at all. Cause it's like, oh yeah, that's exactly what, like, like, oh, I just heard, like something happened.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It just, for some reason, it just, yeah. I mean, very dark comedy, but like. Okay. And then,
1: and then the killer um uh, chases the wife, shoots her and she survives in the movie, correct? Yes. Yes. And she that's is, yeah. also what happened in real life now in real life that's the end of the killings
0: okay so and the, that's uh, the end of
1: everything no the
0: chase case. at the train or they're the shooting phantom, through the train it's the
1: phantom not... of texarkana is never encountered again in real life right so that whole last little getting away um makes for a great ending of the movie i was, was gonna say it's in real life.
0: also it's 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 weirdly the most uh, the most cinematic moment in the movie too. Like you've got like slow motion and they like, sh- like the, he lines up his shot and he shoots the, the phantom killer in the leg. Oh, like that's such a great and,
1: sequence. Yeah. Yeah, It's
0: cool. Like, but it's like, yeah, that's, that makes sense that it's not like real. Cause it definitely feels more like a movie, I guess.
1: In real life. What we had was we had somebody who showed up, terrorize the community for several weeks and essentially, just and then destroyed, just fucked up. And it destroyed the community and then disappeared. I mean yeah. like people um that the whole like, things of, like boarding up the your windows at night that happened in real life. people not going out at night or every business shutting down that happened in real life, like everything they're about the how the townspeople reacted happened in real life, yeah but what they also don't have is there was essentially like people were ready for fucking lynch mobs. And, yeah. like, the the town went into a complete fucking panic with everybody turning on and accusing each other. And fortunately, like, nobody got, like, hurt in this.
0: Unjustly or anything, yeah. yeah.
1: unjustly, but, like. I like,
0: mean, this, aside from this, the people who got this destroyed, by the family.
1: This destroyed the community. It destroyed a community's trust in each other. And because officially there was never any closure.
0: Right. And, and, and I will say like, that's kind of something this movie does a really good job of like showing. Cause I mean, I feel like that isn't something that's typically explored in these types of movies. Um, certainly not, you know, like, and, you know, and, and slashers, um, but yeah, this one is just, it's very, it, there's an emphasis on, 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 oh, on a lot of yes, the ways it yes. changes the community.
1: Yes, no, I know exactly what you mean, and in fact, the new um, Halloween, the most recent Halloween movie, which was, was a Halloween? Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills, it came out at the time of this recording. As much as both of us will say it's not as bad as people were making it out to be, right. I will say that that movie tried to attempt to show the hysteria in the community in um and it failed in a way that i would argue um the town that dreaded sundown succeeded and also halloween four succeeded for that matter yes well. yes but, but but that's also something that does happen in real life that isn't addressed by too many movies um though i do have to give a shout out to one of my absolute favorite spike lee movies and for the record i am a big spike lee fan um summer of sam i think is an extremely underrated movie by uh, yeah. spike lee because it's yeah. literally on, only it's about the um it's only about sam, the
0: community but it's, it's about it's,
1: the son of sam murders but it's only about the community's reaction to those murders
0: it's like the murders are taking like this like adjacent thing no, that,
1: the huh. murders are the inciting incident for everything and the right. murders control all the characters reactions the characters are just completely removed from the murders and have right. nothing to do with it and we're seeing how this fear and paranoia grips the community That's yeah, um, great and, and that's entirely what summer sam is about i think some if, if you're in the serial killer movies if you're in like some like 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 people losing their shit type of stuff summer sam is a very underrated movie that falls into that stuff. And I think it's just because Spike Lee did it and Spike Lee isn't really known for like horror Lord fucked
0: up <laughs> horror movies, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so what uh what did you make of the voiceover narration.
1: Well, I I guess from it that I think they were going for like a pseudo documentary type yep. of feel for the movie. Yep. That this is kind of like an early example of, huh? What well, we talked about last week of like the mockumentary. Um, yes, in the subgenre. I think this is kind of like an early example that halfway falls into it. I think
0: it. it's yeah, because I mean, like they. It's weird how on a Charles B. Pierce's Wikipedia page they call legend of boggy creek a docudrama but they don't call this a docudrama
1: Uh, well this one does switch over to straight up narrative filmmaking at points whereas legend of boggy creek if my memory is correct never actually does that right you're right legend of boggy creek keeps the framework of being a fake documentary for the whole movie whereas this movie goes back and forth that some sections are a fake documentary and other sections are a narrative film
0: it really works here like it's Oh, I think it, it
1: works very well. It
0: it's because like it it works for a few reasons like one like yes it gives it that like mockumentary feel uh two it also kind of almost makes it feel weirdly quaint juxtaposed yes! against the violence it
1: like does. It, there, there's actually kind of like a wholesome snuggly aspect yes. to this movie and then the brutal violence comes into play which i think is also trying to replicate like what this community went through in real life that this was a small town supportive community like they had their own band that did their own dances the right. band the band um after um i'm sorry the saxophonist what was her name um um uh damn it um betty joe booker after she got killed after their show the band never played another show after that that was their last show so like and and like that might sound like a little thing but like this is 19. in a small town
0: that's small town middle of
1: fucking nowhere and this is the band this is music this is some of the little joy that keeps everyone going and everyone go out have fun have some drinks you know know, like have a good time and then that gets forever stripped away from them
0: yeah, for sure. Which um, –
1: that's actually going to come all around towards the end of this episode. Oh, boy, is it going to be a fun – is right, that, right. that going to come around at the end?
0: Um, so one other thing that, like, I think the uh, narration adds is I actually think it helps a lot with the pace of the movie um like I, yeah
1: yeah The, the if it didn't have the narration this pace would be a bit grueling to get through
0: they would have to do a lot more like to kind of get from one exciting scene to another but with the narration they actually don't have to like they just kind of are like yep after and that the murder, narration also works for
1: a true yeah. crime story because um all those cops in the movie are all real people they did right. change the names but they're all real people bringing in the outside person that really happened. Like everything really happened. The only thing I cannot verify is them dressing up in women's clothing.
0: I was going to ask about that because
1: that was done with son of Sam. That was done with other serial killers. I cannot. And I was searching for this. I literally was, I cannot find anything of them doing stakeouts with the phantom of Texarkana. So I think I suspect they took that from other serial killer investigations okay. and just thought that was a cool idea that made sense, and they put it in here. So, like okay, they did that so, with Zodiac, like that was done in real life with it some is something camp, that, that was has happened in real, in real life. life. life okay. Zodiac, yeah. Just no, we That's just totally don't know if it happened here. Yeah, because I was going to yeah, say, I like, just can't find verification of that with this case.
0: Because when I was I, when I watched that scene, I was like, okay. My initial instinct was like. This this tells me this was like there were some creative liberties, but then like I started thinking more and I was like, actually that kind of feels like too weird to make up. Like that has to be real. Like you know
1: that was a hundred percent done with (laughs) several serial killer investigations. I just cannot confirm if it was done with this one. (laughs) There's this. I do and like they is, have the running joke about the one guy of, like, why is one bigger than the other? Talking about his fake tits.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, like, I, how, like, the guy who he's in the car with is, like, really, like, kind of
1: blowing oh, up the fact that they're
0: supposed to be a couple. He puts
1: yeah. around them. I'm sorry, like, I, I realized that probably at the time. Like, this, is, this is funny, and some people may very strongly disagree with me, but this is how, like, art changes, and that at the time when this was made, there's no way around it. Those were very homophobic jokes. Sure. sure. Th- that was very much playing off of, Oh, look, men dress up as women. How ridiculous. and it- it's just like, you know, just like, you know, just like the fairies, like, like it's, it's, sure. it's playing up a very homophobic thing with this movie being made in the, um, uh, what's it? Nineteen seventy, uh, six. Thank you. Thank Nineteen seventy six. However, our culture has progressed so much and has come around so much that with because of the fact that they don't use any sort of slurs, that whole sequence actually comes across as very comically wholesome
0: yes <laughs> yes
1: that uh. that there was definitely a connotation when the movie was first released and what people were laughing at when it was released is different than what you and I hear and laugh at now
0: sure sure
1: um interesting how that comedy age and that it still works primary reason because they didn't use any slurs in the scene. i can see that
0: yeah, yeah that makes sense that makes sense
1: um <laughs> but, but i mean i did like the guy like putting the arm around I'm like come on we're on
0: We're we're supposed to be a couple, aren't we? Yeah, we're supposed to be a
1: couple. Yeah, that was, like, really funny and wholesome. And I feel like that scene aged, like, shockingly well. Yeah, yeah. But like Uh, I said, like, I can definitely point to other serial killers, police, to that that was a strategy was trying to catch serial killers. To the best of my knowledge, it never worked, but I totally get the logic behind it. Like, like, I don't think it's like, bad logic, and
0: especially I imagine like back then, like there were way less female cops than they probably are oh, now. Oh, ex-
1: exactly. Oh, yeah. God, no, no, um, no yeah,
0: there's none. This, <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Like this is depicting events in 1946. Several months. I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah, several months. It's ten months after World War II World War has II. ended. Yeah. Like that's the time period we're talking about that this is taking place in. Yeah, there were not. Fucking female police officers in Texarkana like
0: right um so I did want to highlight um you know i I know we weren't going to go too much into the behind the scenes stuff but I did want to yeah. highlight um this movie was produced um or, or distributed by uh Samuel Z. Arkoff, who is like uh mainly famous for uh uh uh, producing and distributing um, the Amityville Horror, Blackula, I Was a Teenage Werewolf, oh. and just a ton of other shit. Like he was just like this huge, almost like a Roger Corman type figure um, for a while there. Um, he even like kind of coined the term the the Arkoff formula, which is like his his name, uh, as an acronym of his of his last name. Uh, you know, so the A for action.
1: Uh. I knew, like as you're saying, this, I'm like all these names are ringing the bell, but yeah. like, oh, okay, continue, continue. Oh, yeah. So
0: it's R for revolution, which in parentheses it says novel or controversial themes yep. and ideas. Uh, K for killing, yes. <laughs> a a modicum of violence. Um, oratory, so notable dialogue and speeches. Fantasy, okay. acted out fantasies, common to the audience, and then. Yep. The last F is for fornication, sex appeal for young adults.
1: Dude, I fucking love this guy. I was like, too. I I, <laughs> I guarantee you, I would have loved hanging out with this guy, and yep. we have had very similar business <laughs> strategies. I, I dig him. Well, um, I uh uh to point out like one little thing I did have about like who was involved in this movie that I just think is just a fun little note. Is the Phantom was played by Bud Davis, a stunt oh, yeah, man yeah. who then became a stunt coordinator, and he coordinated stunts on films such as Forrest Gump, Castaway, Inglorious bastards and he actually worked on a couple other Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, nice. Oh, he I, way I, I believe. Um, he so, was but, great as the he was killer. Great is like, the Phantom. Um, yes, the Phantom the is way, great in this movie.
0: Like for somebody who only had like his eyes his mannerisms and his breathing uh yeah. oh my which, god like which is
1: very interesting this movie how in portraying of the killer and portraying what the killer is feeling how much they use breathing in oh
0: my the god movie. What, uh and in particular
1: filmmaking like it's, it's, it's a lot of filmmaking skill actually at play
0: the standoff with the pitbull Uh, When the when the when the woman gets away towards the end there where he's just, yeah, you could his breath starts quickening, like because he realizes she's going to get away and he's not going to get past this dog like it's uh, it's really cool. Um, but no, the breathing was something I, I picked up on right away. Like, because it is just, first of all, it's a really cool visual. Like he's like sucking air through this pillowcase and you see it. Which the use
1: of the pillowcase as a mask, I also want to call out is really interesting how they use it, that it's not what later became your standard slasher mask that it obscures, like, like that there's no physical movement involved. The pillowcase itself is moving In response to his breathing, and attention is shown to it. So, you you are, it is being made clear to the audience at all times that this is not an unfeeling killer. This killer is feeling a lot of things, and they're really fucked up with what they're feeling.
0: But there's, but this is a human, yeah, which makes it even more frightening, in my opinion. I also like how there's these. Insinuations that he's hiding in plain sight. Like there's lots of scenes where you just see like, um, like where it's like a scene where nothing's really happening, but then you like kind of the camera will like pan down and you'll see like his shoes like walking well,
1: let's, by. Let, let's see what the very ending, the very end of this movie, which yes, um, I think is then a great point to start talking. Move on this conversation and start talking about what happened after this movie. If you're all right, yeah, yeah,
0: I'm cool with that.
1: So the very end of this movie is we get, we have like that great chase scene by the train tracks and the Phantom gets away. Um, I I mean, I'm serious. I I think it's a really great sequence. I thought it it was super super fucking fun, and um, it ends with like a narration being like, you know, the Phantom disappeared, was never caught, and you know, he could, you know, like I, I, I forget the exact words used but like he could be anywhere he could be next to you It's just essentially like right, a message. Right. but it ends with showing an image of an oh op- the th- the theatrical opening not the real theatrical opening this this is a this is the movie going meta of a yes. theater screening the opening of the town that dreaded sundown and people in line and the camera then zooms in and starts going across people's shoes and then the focus is on the shoes that we saw earlier of the killer wearing.
0: which uh going meta in 1976 is like i feel like that's hugely groundbreaking
1: it's crazy groundbreaking especially because it's over a real life crime that in real life has officially never been solved and like the kill like there is a non-zero chance that the killer went to the opening of this movie. Right. In real life. In real life, there is a non-zero, like there is more than a zero percent chance, like there is a possibility that really happened. Yeah. And that's kind of like a crazy concept to be talking about in 1976.
0: Definitely. Definitely.
1: So, first before we move on any further. I want to quickly address over who the Phantom of Texarkana most likely was, and okay. why we most likely know exactly who he was.
0: Yeah, let's hear it.
1: So first off, to quickly address, we had like the only confession that was ever in the case, quote unquote confession, was the HB um, Tennyson, also nickname uh, duty and who the trom-
0: he, he trombone he, player
1: trombone player who left a suicide note um he honest to god most likely had some sort of mental breakdown at the end of his life and he committed suicide via mercury poison poisoning which causes extreme mental reactions um the mercury poisoning that he used um Traces of it were found on his suicide note where he confessed to being the killer, which means he was already under the state of uh the the poison when he was writing it yeah, and when people and and like people falsely confessing the crimes is a thing that frequently happens people they even talk
0: about in this movie,
1: yes, and people falsely confessing the serial killer crimes is something that frequently happens and like if you're listening to this and like well why there's a shit ton of people that have done written lots of books have done a shit ton of studies on it like go out there the information's out there i am not remotely trained enough to explain this but this is a thing that happens and him just saying that he committed all these crimes doesn't actually prove anything his family says that there's no way he did it. That's not the person they know. Now, in all fairness, that also always happens with every serial <laughs> killer. And that also doesn't mean fucking anything. What's really interesting, though, is uh, that the parents of um, uh, Betty Joe Booker, the saxophone player who's depicted in the movie as a trombone player, um, they... Knew him because her their daughter knew him, and they actually contacted the family and said, "We don't think he did this." Right. So that's very interesting. That's something you don't hear often. Of somebody confesses to be the killer, like I killed your daughter, and then commits suicide, and the family said, "We don't think they did it." And that's what happened in real life.
0: Yeah, because usually, I mean, I imagine you know, like. You know your uh your family to a victim like you're gonna latch on to like the first possible
1: like now now let's talk about yule sweeney who i will put down fucking money was the phantom of Texarkana.
0: who oh did he even get mentioned in the movie
1: i don't believe so and i don't even think there's a reference to him in the movie uh, i don't think okay. there's actually a reference to him in either this movie or the recall, and correct me if I'm wrong as I describe his story of it, so okay. the police in Texarkana began to get suspicious that um how the Phantom was able to get around and not be identified um through the state state was that they were stealing cars and abandoning them mm-hmm. now, Yule Sweeney was a twenty nine year old car thief and counterfeiter in texarkana and he had been traced to being sighted and stealing cars in the areas in which the murders occurred in when uh police kind of confronted him uh, like busting him for car theft and confronting him about like do you know anything about these crimes he volunteered information about Details about the crimes. What exact details? I do not know. I'm not even sure if that's ever been publicly released, but volunteered information about details and locations of the crimes that were not made public. They Then he had a wife who the police inter- uh, interrogated his wife, in which he said, yeah, my husband's the killer. He killed all oh, those people. <laughs> and which they're like, will you testify against him in court? She says, no, no, I won't testify against my husband. And we're married it's in their legal rights you can't force me to testify wow um and so holy shit for this car ring steal um his car ring thievery thing that he was involved in when he was sentenced the police were like this guy's a fucking Texarkana, uh phantom we cannot prove it but we're certain it's this guy. His wife just told us it's this guy and yeah. she will not go on the record and say it. So the book, at him, he got sentenced to life. Damn. You, you know, you know what happened after he got arrested? There wasn't mm-hmm. a single other appearance or attack by the Texarkana fa- fa- phantom.
0: So you mean to tell me that eight year old me was afraid for no reason?
1: Yeah, he was actually probably already in jail. He, he ended up dying in jail. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He got released. No, that's not true. He got released. But he got released after like 40 years. He got released as like an elderly old man.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And he died saying that he was not the killer. But he he was almost certainly the killer. It's like your, he wife was a, sol-
0: your wife sold you out, dude. Like, no, I mean, she sort of. really
1: didn't sell him out.
0: Yeah, she like did, but she didn't, I guess.
1: No, like, she was yeah. more like a fuck you ACAB to the cops. Like, yeah, my husband's oh, yeah, a serial yeah, yeah. killer. Oh, you want me to pr- do it in court? I won't say that in court. And you can't make me and you can't prove it. And the cop's <laughs> yes. like, fuck, we can't do anything with this. That's crazy. Oh. She, of course, later says that she denies that she ever said that to the police. But of there's course. multiple people that account of her saying it at the time multiple people and multiple people also cited him in the areas of several of the attacks at the times of the attacks gotcha gotcha so i think he was a killer
0: all right so um it does say on wikipedia here that there was some controversy around the release of this movie
1: oh oh yes, yes, yes yes this movie was actually quite Controversial. Um, the entire ad campaign about the movie was that the killer was like essentially that the killer was never caught and the killer may still be out there. Um, now, admittedly, the movie came out 30 years after the murders, but it's worth sure. noting that like people that survived the murders were still alive when this movie came out. Families of the victims were still alive when this movie came out, and this movie was also filmed in the area of Texarkana and featured many people like like a lot of the extras in the movie a lot of like the bit bit players i don't mean as an insult um like but like you know minor players they they were like local residents that were cast in this movie so yes. there were some people that found this very traumatizing um, like the movie like was sued essentially for like defamation and invasion of privacy um the the claims got thrown out in court, but that just shows can, that,
0: like can you defame a whole town? I don't know
1: <laughs> well it, it was um it was families of the victims is who was sued oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and, well,
0: that makes sense,
1: and so like that's.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's just one of those we, things, And man, this is where I mean, we
1: get into why this is an appropriate movie for our show, Exploitation. Yeah, this I was, was gonna say, ex, exploit, exploiting a real crime and real people of whose relatives and family members and loved ones were st- are still – or were still alive when this movie came out.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then they – and yeah, I mean – I love the movie, so, you know, like, you know, take, you know, take this any way you want, but, like, it's, like, yeah, because it is, like, taking this real thing, like, that's still, 30 years is really not that long ago.
1: It's, well, the thing Uh, is, you also have to keep in mind is, this is very small town, Texas, Arkansas, so, like, these families go back, like, generations, and, like, it's.
0: Yeah, so, they're, they're, they're. You know, I mean, they're taking, like, fairly recent events and making a horror movie about it, which, you know, I mean, it's, I don't, you know... I guess
1: to put it in context, it'd be like making a horror movie about the Columbine murders.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's actually a really good
1: example. So, that, that, that's a little bit less time, um, but I still think that's a good enough example
0: yeah it's about Um, five
1: or six years difference um or making a horror movie about the oklahoma city bombing or a horror movie about waco
0: the first world trade bombing
1: the first world trade center bombing yeah (laughs) like making a horror movie about any of those things yeah there would definitely be people saying oh this is too fucking soon what is wrong with you like a hundred percent people would be saying that
0: right um but that said like i mean chuck charles um you know he's part of this community and so
1: he's he, i believe he's definitely a southern boy
0: yeah, uh, I, yeah I believe he's, he, he's he's, also, he was born
1: in indiana he died in tennessee oh
0: wow okay so what 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 is his oh, connection he, to arkansas oh, he,
1: spent, he spent um oh he spent most of his life living in arkansas louisiana and texas Okay, all right, that makes sense. And, and he lived in Texarkana for a while.
0: Yeah, okay, so, like, he obviously so, felt...
1: So, he literally lived in the community. That...
0: <laughs> yeah, but so, he uh, like, I was going to say, he, he must have had, like, some connection to it personally. So, like, I mean, I feel like he was, you know... <laughs> I think he was expressing something, you know, and, and then maybe... You know, like, I, but yeah, like, I mean, then the marketing side of it, which I don't know how much he had to do with.
1: I bet you he had, like, fucking everything to do with it. Yeah. That's that small budget, independent, regional release. Sure. I'm sure. just looking up. Yeah, he's the head producer of it. Like, OK, like he's executive producer of it.
0: He has. It feels I, I get, it feels very on brand for uh, Arkov.
1: And but I also I guarantee you he was a hundred percent okay yeah. with it and oh it's, yeah I and can... it's like yeah it's it's taking like here's looking around is looking around where you currently are and be like all right what's interesting about where i am i'm in the middle of fucking nowhere what's interesting about this place oh there was a serial killer here three years ago that never got caught yeah yeah there you go and it's unknown to me when i brought up that whole thing about like we almost certainly know who the killer actually was it's very unclear to me when that information ever got really made public.
0: Yeah, that was kind of the impression so,
1: I got. I don't think that when this movie was made, um, w- w- when the talent of the Sundown was made, that any of that was known. Because I don't think there's any reference or car stealing, ring Or car st- No. You've been stealing none. cars in this movie. No, there's Is just...
0: Yeah, there's there's that one red herring.
1: Was there in the remake or sequel, or whatever you Ooh. want? To call it? I um I don't remember. I don't think there I was. I don't think either. so either. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyone yeah. listening? If I am like. Stu- if we're stupidly forgetting some major plot point let us know but i don't think either movie actually makes reference to who most likely committed the murders now oh but i was going to say like there's a reason i feel that they didn't depict the sexual violence aspects to those murders is because um uh charles P- pierce lived in those communities and was probably tangentially aware of some of those people and right. knew that how distasteful it would be depicting their murders depicting them also getting raped as well like it's why like i don't think i want it was that. probably
0: a line he wasn't gonna willing yes, to cross like
1: that was a line that, like didn't want to cross and i, I was gonna that.
0: say like even though this i i do think this is an exploit film which and and by the way that's a compliment on this show um, yeah. <laughs> yes uh, it's 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 certainly not as um it's not as sleazy as some of the other movies i love from this era like no
1: no it's really not
0: like and yeah it's like that like i mean like like we mentioned earlier there is like a weird wholesomeness to it
1: is there even <laughs> any nudity in this movie
0: none none yeah, okay yeah there's nudity in the remake
1: yes there is yeah <laughs> <But> then, <laughs> i guess it's time to oh, be cool. yeah so we so this movie happens it is very controversial it's it's like focused in a regional release and very controversial in that region Um, in fact, I think it even got like brought up in, um, uh, like Congress in some fucking way. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, here, I'm like looking it up here real quick. Um, oh, oh no, no. (laughs) Apparently, apparently for some reasons, the city officials visited Washington, D.C., in the uh within the year of the movie coming out and some people were making fun of were teasing them that they saw the serial killer on the loose oh, which they were aware of because of this movie so there was somebody in dc that was like on that exploitation grindhouse yes. edge
0: yes yes i'm just being a troll um so right. so, so this this, so, uh, this
1: is own little thing and then uh It's very kind of like controversial in Texarkana, Texarkana and the South and the regions. And this movie didn't really have like any sort of like big release for quite a long period of time, if I recall correctly. Like this is one of those movies that it, as I already mentioned, has first like VHS release in the early 2000s
0: no because i was a kid when i saw the vhs cover in blockbuster like i mean a kid so it was like so, the 90s okay, so
1: i guess maybe that was the first dvd release. yeah
0: yeah yeah no released. you were talking about
1: i i think you're thinking of uh oh legend of boogie oh i'm sorry i'm getting things yeah. mixed together in my head now that i was looking up yes yes so um when home releases of this because I, I just don't really think that this was just that big of um it was like one of those other horror movies, it was just like around.
0: It was very, yeah. It was very like off the beaten path, like because I was I was texting my friend about it while I was watching it yesterday, and I was because I was I was specifically commenting on um on on how just gorgeous it looks in HD, like it's mm. just, oh yeah just beautiful, and he was just like you know up until like two years ago I never even heard of it. I was just like really like, and he's like he's a horror fan, but somehow this movie just always went
1: under its radar yeah yeah no Um, it was one of those ones that i always heard i just never watched like i said i kind of like wrote it off unfairly thinking it was something that it wasn't and um so yeah so let's flash forward to um 2014 when
0: yeah
1: part of kind of like the this was like i'd argue part of the remake craze
0: it was uh, part of the remake craze but also part of um so this is why i texted you and was like hey so the original is like my kind of movie and i have a feeling the 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 requel is like your kind of movie is like like i will not go as far as to call it a torture porn film but it does have that slickness to it that is synonymous with that movement
1: Oh, man, I was so kind of, like, disappointed uh rewatching this that I was like, oh, I think this might be a torture porn movie. Like, this might be a torture – it's not torture porn.
0: Uh, no, it has more in common with um, – it actually has more in common with the My Bloody Valentine remake. Um, it actually, like – Almost which, beat for beat feels like the same uh, movie. Um,
1: oh, man. I, you know what? It's really funny because I kept thinking of – on this rewatch, I kept thinking of, like, this is reminding me of that My Bloody Valentine remake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so funny you um, say that because I thought the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: don't know but if it's just, is, like, the small town and I, and there is, like, the the hotel death and, like, you know, like – It
1: has a real slickness to it, which – um. Okay, a little bit of spoilers. When I first watched these movies, uh, spoilers not for the movies, but for the for our podcast. Uh, peek behind the curtain. Yeah, no, no. For our podcast, we 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 have things we build up to on this show. Oh, yeah, uh, right. Like, which of these do we like the most? When I first watched these movies, I remember liking the remake slash sequel better than the original. On the rewatch for this, I firmly liked the original way more than the remake the remake is too slick and it doesn't yeah. have an it's gorier than the original but it doesn't have a, a bite to it it doesn't have a good bite to it, it doesn't have a good edge like yeah like, i want to just like it needs to go a i'm little with you
0: there man it's it's, it's it's a fun film i, I actually like yeah. i think it's it's good but it's yeah like the there's a uh it's weird. I was just talking about the quaintness of the original, but there's also a meanness to it too, which is why like
1: the I don't meanness know. comes out with everything dealing with the Phantom. And this movie yeah. has like this remake has a slickness of it that it just it, it's it's the uh, teens getting naked and drinking and uh, partying and then violence happens. Right. And, so it's all a little bit sleazy, but it doesn't go sleazy enough for me for it to be nettable, and it doesn't have that great contrast that the original does of the wholesome small town el- aspects and yeah. the bru- the brutality torture that is going mm-hmm. on. But now this may sound, sound uh. like I'm tr- I'm trashing the remake, and I'm like I'm not, I'm not. Um now I want to get into now all the positives about and there's a reason that we're doing these two movies together that I think is like I, I think all the stuff works together really interesting as an art project and I really want to highlight
0: that. Yeah, yeah, like more than any other sequel that I've seen, it just so naturally grows out of the original.
1: Like So we want to make this really clear. What makes this um Sequel, remake, requel, super interesting, and I see on Wikipedia, so this is a meta-sequel, is that this movie takes place in our world in which both the original Texarkana murders happened and the movie The Town of Dreaded Sundown happened, yes. and somebody is recreating the murders.
0: Right, right.
1: And they're following a killing pattern of the murders.
0: We even get a recreation of the trombone murder.
1: Yes. Yes. It goes. And it also goes, what I find really fascinating is it's, it's recreating both the real life murders and the murders as depicted in the movie based on the real life murders is a wild, wild, wild meta it's concept for such a for cool a sequel. approach to yes. uh, a reboot. Like, if someone's
0: like, you know, like, I don't know, like, it's like if you're going to, like, reboot something, like, this. this is definitely a really cool way to do it, like, I think. You know, to kind of be like, okay, like, yeah, it's technically a remake, but it's also a sequel, and it's also meta, and I don't know, like, I really... I applauded that. I applaud that approach. And
1: finding out who made this movie makes that so. Oh, it makes so God, much yes. sense. Do you know who made? Uh, I'm about to go through it all, but I'm just curious. Did you look up who made this remake? I Before did. I drop all this, so info?
0: are you talking about the writer, the writer and the director, or are you talking about the specific person who, like, kind of, I guess. All, I'm talking it. about
1: all three. I'm talking about all three. Okay, so you know, so let's deal with it first. First, the idea of doing this movie come came from Ryan Murphy.
0: Yep, he so, is. Uh, he is one half of the creators of American Horror Story.
1: Yes, and it's yes. like, oh shit, this feels like this. Um, American Horror Story was, I believe, uh, what year?
0: A few did- years old. Um, it, or maybe. I would say three American years Horror old. It started in 2011. I only know that because yes, yes.
1: The year I got married.
0: Um, uh,
1: okay. And so this is yeah. three years into American Horror Story. And it very much feels like that. And for the record, I am a huge American Horror Story fan. I am an absolute American Horror Story fanatic.
0: I can't call myself a huge fan, but I, I, I do I do think it has some really great moments.
1: I, I I I don't love every season. I don't love I'm just gonna throw that out there right right, right away. I don't love everything about American Horror Story, but I am definitely a person that I watch every episode. The evening airs. Tonight what I'm gonna be doing when we're done recording is this a new episode of American Horror Stories, which is the spin off one episode and um one story and episode spin-off anthology, which Ryan Murphy also runs. I'm a big fan. But cool, um cool. but the uh the director of this movie is Alfonso Gomez Rijon. Okay. How how good do you think I did at that? I think you did okay. Um I'm trying it... like for anyone that's listening, this is not like me trying to be insulting. I struggle with, with pronunciations and yeah, that was my sincere some... attempt. I saw somebody Alfonso on Twitter Gomez. Reach out. No, I think I, I think I said that right.
0: I think you did. I, I uh, don't know. I just, I'm going to go on a, like a very brief tangent, but I saw somebody on Twitter being like, they weren't talking about us, but they were like talking about like, oh, I hate when on podcasts people like mispronounce things. And I just wanted to like, and then I remembered that, you know, interacting with anybody on Twitter is usually a bad idea, but I wanted to be like. Yeah. Well, my co-host has a speech impediment. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> what about that?
1: <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you did not.
0: I'm glad I didn't either.
1: But, but. I'm I, I bringing him up. Um, I found interesting. Um, he is actually people would most likely know him as the director of Me and Earl and the Dying Girl which I have never seen before, but I understand that's like a, you know, a very good uh, drama movie. Uh, Yeah. It's a well-loved movie. Did not know that uh, he was connected to, he directed the, uh, (laughs) the he was also a director for several episodes of Glee and several episodes of American horror story.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, okay. Yeah.
1: And then the writer of this movie um, sorry, I'm just pulling everything up here is Roberta. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, do, do you by any chance of it pulled up, uh, Lucas? Cause the, my, the writer, yeah, the writer, um, I, I really can't uh, pronounce this name.
0: Roberto, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. And that might even be wrong, but that's okay. Yeah. Okay. We're trying. Um, we're trying. trying seriously. And what I find very fascinating about them, which makes sense with how fucking weirdly meta and self referential this movie is, comes from the comic book industry. Oh. Yeah. Did a shit ton of work with Marvel Comics. And they're, in fact, they are the current chief creative officer of Archie Comics, which Archie no Comics shit. has been having a renaissance, um, uh, in in under his rule he's the one that came up with afterlife with archie he's i was the gonna one say
0: that, like all the horror stuff that has this been is going the guy that archie. did it yes yeah it's him. Okay. it's
1: him that's so cool he's like he's not the writer of it but he's the one that oversaw oh he
0: adapted some of the stephen king the stand comics um yeah
1: he, he's also a writer and producer on Riverdale and a creative director on it, which I've never seen Riverdale, but I understand it's like batshit like, insanity.
0: Yeah, again, a well-loved show that I just haven't had a chance to watch. But
1: um. uh, So, like, oh, those three people working together makes a lot of sense. Yes. And I want to point out also that uh, American Horror Story, tying back to that – is that really astute true crime fans may have already noticed? Like, wait, there's another connection here. That an American Horror Story, in season three, the Coven season, has a uh, ep- episode. Oh fuck, I forget the name of the episode. It's um, uh, it's called The Axeman Cometh, with which is about the Axeman of New Orleans. Have you ever heard of the Axeman of New Orleans, uh, Lucas?
0: uh vaguely yes
1: that's that actually another familiar. serial killer who has never been found he was a oh, murderer who killed um he killed specifically italian grocery store owners and killed six italian grocery store owners that's weird
0: specific
1: yes very specific and nobody knows why he disappeared and it's unknown if he actually wrote this letter or if this was just some sort of weird prank trolling at the time period, but the fact remains is that he never committed a murder after this, that he wrote a letter to the, um, uh, to the biggest newspaper in New Orleans saying that I am the ax man. I have killed all these people. I will kill again unless on this Tuesday night. From I think it's like from midnight to 1230, I think there was a time period every home needs to be playing jazz. Keep in mind, jazz at this time period was a party music thing. He's essentially saying every home needs to have a party going on. Every place needs to have a party. And I will be walking through New Orleans. And if I come across a place that there's people that there isn't jazz blaring as loud as it can, I will go in there and kill you all. And what and this is all 100 percent real. And that's people were like, wait, this isn't. there's an episode of American Horror Story about this. I'm like, yes, yes, there is. This all really happened. The entire city of New Orleans had a party for the whole night. And everyone um, just went out to party for literally their lives. It's Jeff, like, Jeff, have you
0: ever been to New Orleans?
1: Y- yes, but I don't think they party. I don't think every single say, person that's parties every night. And also, this was... Um, we're 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 talking um oh uh what year are we talking about? We're talking about
0: 1918.
1: Okay, all right, this is, okay. This, all New right. Orleans different
0: is time. not. It was a different time.
1: Yes, like it, this is not the, the New Orleans that the modern day parties say. We're talking turn of the century New Orleans. Um, so but the entire city partied that night. Nobody got killed, and the Axeman never killed another person. Oh shit! And like it's some people are really adamant of like, oh that like that was just somebody trying to take advantage and wanted to throw a party on a Tuesday night Mm -hmm. because
0: I I I will fall on the uh, partying is actually partying is good for you uh, mentality. I I really
1: I really like (laughs) to believe the Axeman did it, and he's like if if everyone just fucking lightens up for one night i'm done yeah.
0: i'm done I, ju- I just want everybody to have a good time and i'll like, stop killing people like yes. that's all i want
1: <laughs> and that the funny thing is that sounds like serial killer logic to me
0: <laughs> yeah that's true that's true like uh
1: I think about it, if you lived in new orleans then and like people were being like by your view ra- randomly but it was somebody specifically targeting italian grocery store owners yeah yeah. But but like if your idea is like somebody's going around fucking chopping everyone up with an axe, if I go to a party tonight, I am safe. It won't happen to me. Like I'm fucking going to a party. Uh,
0: absolutely.
1: Also, just because there's other people there, and like this guy says he's going out tonight to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to be at home alone, or do you want to be at a party?
0: Yeah, I may be an introvert, but I'm I'm going to go to a party. <laughs>
1: but um, but I I, I got totally. Re- derail there but it is all directly relevant because that's another ryan murphy thing playing with a um unknown serial killer
0: yeah and also ryan murphy
1: did bring um like the zodiac killings up later in um american harasuri hotel
0: and now was was ryan and uh, Falchuk, Brad Falchuk, Is that the other, um, American horror story guy? Um,
1: Oh, uh, give me one second. I'm not sorry, but g- go on.
0: I was going to say they, they, were they both involved in American crime story as well?
1: Oh, oh yes, they are. Yes, they are.
0: Yeah. So there you go. Like, I mean, clearly this is a point of interest for yep. us.
1: True, for true crime is a hundred percent, uh, Passions there so it's not surprising at all during the remake craze at some point they're probably off of like hey american horror story is starting to seem like it's popular y'all want to make remake an old horror movie and so oh. it's not that all surprising they did the town the dreaded sundown
0: and you're so, missing you're actually missing a key piece here like well, um am I uh, missing? yeah the um the uh who who was who who would have approached Ryan Murphy for oh, this?
1: Oh, Jordan! Oh, Jordan Bloom of Bloomhouse. Is that Jason? Jason I'm Bloom. sorry, Jason Bloom. Yeah, yeah. Jason Bloom
0: of Bloomhouse. Yeah, House. yeah, yeah. And this is uh, gosh, this is what this. I feel like this is early Bloomhouse, right? Like this is, like they weren't like. Yes, yeah, so this is this, this is early colossal Blumhouse. thing they are now, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I know they were like, they had done. They did paranormal activity, correct? Did, yeah,
1: they, they, they paranormal activity. That was activity their breakout. Actually, know this isn't that normal. The same year that this came out, they did uh, Purge, Anarchy, uh, Jezebel, Ouija. This is when oh, they released. Right. This is when they same year they so, released Whiplash. Remember, Whiplash is a Blumhouse movie. See, I
0: just it's it's hard for me to think of like anything before Get Out as like.
1: And, and the same year as this was the fifth paranormal activity film so they were they were they were they were
0: were rocking and rolling gotcha gotcha um yeah cool well yeah so so let's uh, talk about this remake itself
1: um
0: yeah you know what i completely forgot about i completely forgot about the fact that the killer talks in the remake
1: that that is true that is true um in the real life the killer did talk yeah the survivors report the killer talking to them so that is something it, yeah. that is actually a little bit more act like taking a little bit more influence um i actually want to talk about like the opening scene of the movie which honestly i think is the best scene of the movie it and is. i think is also the most metally creative scene of the movie that it's at a screening of the town, that dreads Sundown, the 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 the, the, uh,
0: the Halloween that, annual showing of of it at uh, in Texarkana,
1: which which by the way is a real thing, and that's uh, that's a little hint towards we're going to get to at the end.
0: Oh, oh there you
1: are. Oh, oh oh, we're going to end on such a great note. Don't but, don't ask me t- t- more
0: questions. T- tell me. Wait, are don't you tell gonna?
1: Me, don't, no, 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 we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. You, you got so, tickets for it? <laughs> so so in the in the movie. In the remake here, um, in the remake sequel, meta, whatever, they're at the annual Halloween screening, and it's controversial because, you know, like, some people in the town don't like, like, they have the Christian groups protesting, and it's all the teens, you know, you know, necking in the cars at the drive-in theater, and uh, I think, like, it's a couple that goes off, if I remember correctly, goes off in the woods or something like that. as as one does. And they get attacked by the phantom, And then the scene ends. I love it. I love it. Her bloodied up screaming, crawling out underneath the movie screen. All the people watching screaming for help. And that is exactly like that is such a great depiction of what you're watching on the screen coming into reality and bursting forth. And also, like, it's such a weird meta-concept when all this is based around an actual real series of murders that are being directly acknowledged in the movie, completely people in the movie saying, this is in bad taste. Real people died." Yeah. I, I, Yeah. I, I thought it was just, like... I don't think the movie ever actually makes, so unfortunately, a coherent point over it all. Like, it doesn't reach some great, like... Like if only Grant Morrison wrote this script, <laughs> that there would be some grand insight to human nature and reality, and how we can remake reality through art and art and reality feeding off of each other. Which the movie's vaguely kind of getting that at points, but then it's like, but we don't really know what to do with any of it. Sure, sure. Because like this movie does have the spin on uh, what I found interesting is that there's. There was actually two killers wearing the mask. Yes, we do. Which yeah, but... is a big suspicion of in real life of the Zodiac Killer may have been more than one person. In fact, I think this movie actually this remake It's also
0: here, it's uh, also it, taken from Scream.
1: It, it <laughs> took a lot I mean, that's true. But yeah. I feel like this movie references uh the Zodiac, like has a lot of influence of the Zodiac Killer in real life in it. I wish I could um uh remember was something else that made me think of there was something else in the movie that made me think of like oh they're going for like a zodiac killer here
0: oh interesting um, maybe it's uh, the communication. Like, he's in constant communication with the oh, survivor of the first that's attack. What, uh, I think that's
1: what was making me think about it. Was yeah. yes, was, oh, it was, Like, he's not yes, contacting
0: the media, but he, he's contacting the
1: media. It was just the killer being in contact. It reminded me of the Zodiac Killer. In real life, the Zodiac Killer was in contact with the media, not a victim. But right. yes, in this movie, it's a victim and nobody else. And that for whatever reason, that was just making me think Zodiac Killer and I'm like, is that mm-hmm. what they're paying? You? And this also did, I did like the, uh, uh, scene in this movie of, I thought this movie also did a good job better than some others of showing the, also the moral city wide panic that somebody actually gets killed because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like an innocent person just trying to do a p- poor, poor taste joke ends up dead for it. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good scene. Um we get a recreation of the trombone scene. Yes we do. Yes um, we do, which... which we 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 kinda brought up, but uh yeah, it's uh it is it is also like it's it's two guys in a band go off to uh, you know, make out and um yeah. The, uh...
1: this movie did interject a bit of queerness in it which i will be like ah, there's a little bit of the ryan murphy touch and yes. you, and some listeners may be like what do you mean and be like ah, even as late as it seems like 2014 you weren't seeing a lot of like positive just like hey yeah these people are just queer representation that was one of the things that like american horror story kind of like was noteworthy for very right. early on right. and And so that Ryan Murphy includes very positive queer representation in this movie. That's one of his, his little signatures in media. And I'm a, I I'm actually a big Ryan Murphy fan. I like a lot of shit that he's done.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like, I like, I like, I haven't seen, I haven't even seen every season of American horror story, but I, I mean, I, I do like, I do like a lot of, a lot of what I see on it. Just not everything. I think, I I, I think, I think the, like, in terms of story, like, I think they're just kind of a mess, but like, I think that's
1: part of the fun with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and I get that. Like I I do, but like, I also, I also really like the aesthetic and I like, I generally like all the characters and yeah, they're super, they're super queer. And I'm
1: a big fan of Nip Tuck as well. Nip Tuck.
0: You know, great. I've never seen Nip Tuck. I uh, oh, it's
1: it's fucking wild, dude. It's fucking I, wild.
0: I think you know what I saw. I think I saw one episode of it, and I was just like so, like, just like I, 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 I didn't, cause like. Fucking normal people like that show, you know what I mean? So oh, like, and, they have, yeah, and, and and it's, so, so weird. I, it's, and it's such it's a so weird show. Weird, like, cause, cause, the episode I saw was like, like really dark and like just really wrong. And I was just like, that's every
1: episode. Of the show. Every episode of the show right. was so really I was dark, just confused, really wrong, and really I weird. Because I thought
0: it was like a, uh, you know, like I, I just thought it was like a normie yep. show, you know, yep. and like that's and that's so, every episode. So when I saw it, like I was like, oh, that's weird like it it specifically i don't i don't remember what season it was but it was just like there there's this moment where i guess like there's the relationship between like two characters and like um the guy like made the woman put a bag over her head during sex and she was like and you kind of thought like maybe she was weirded out by it but then like by the end of the episode she like wanted to hook up again and she's like brought the bag with her you know
1: yeah that's nip tuck for you yeah yeah that's, <laughs> like, oh, shit. and it's like watch um like watching that show it's not all remotely surprising that he went on to make american horror story not at all which not at all. i i love american horror story and one of my favorite things about american horror story is it's super popular with normie audiences and then it pretty much every season, the audience that's in love with the show gets super offended by something that's done that season, yeah, like it's, it's constantly it's constantly just pushing buttons and going over the top. And people be like, yeah, that's why I don't like it. I'm like, yeah, but that's why I love it. I'm here for this shit. Like push the buttons, go over the top. I love this shit. Yeah,
0: no, I know what you mean because like it's – it is – it does exist in this weird space where it like appeals to like just everyday people. But then if you're like – Oh, you like American horror story. let me show you let me show you Mother's
1: Day. you know, maybe you, you know you like the, horror and they're like the most what recent, is wrong with you <laughs> the most recent episode of the spin off anthology series, American Horror Stories, and just to cite it, it's season two episode four I'm referring to called um um fuck I think it's called Dairy girls or yeah um, yeah yeah you or or dairy maids or milkmaids, or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, but season two, episode four features an erotic scene of sucking pus from somebody's wound. Oh, by the way, features more than one scene of that. I'm like, I am fucking here for this. And I went online to the American Horror Story subreddit and people were like, oh, oh my God, American Horror Story went too far, went too far. I like, I can't believe I saw that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love it. They, they, they. Like, I don't, I don't know if Shane McKenzie is a ghost on the show or not, but it was the closest that American Horror Story has come to a Shane McKenzie story. There uh, you go. American Horror Story season two, episode four. For anyone that's interested. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Back to this movie. Back to this movie. But, but I think, but I think all that tangents. I think all that shit explains all the things of why Ryan Murphy chose this as their remake project and also why the people involved with this movie were kind of like picked and what they had to contribute. And I don't think I actually made a very good point about like, like the writer, um, Roberto, uh,
0: let me take a look. again. Roberto Aguirre, Sekasa.
1: Okay. And that's, that's our best attempt at it. Like once again, not many, any disrespect. We're doing our damnedest here um that they come from a comic book background and comic books are like way more shall we say loosey-goosey when it comes to continuity and way more open to recontextualizing things that happened before like comic book readers and comic book creators like it's just part of the medium and Mm -hmm. so i think that's a very interesting perspective to bring to this remake movie based on real life events And that can definitely can kind of play with those kinds of layers of reality. And considering how well they went on to their um, success with Archie comics and the Archie universe, like, uh, yeah, that's something they're obviously very talented in.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Now, I will say where I think this movie kind of like falls apart is I think the reveal at the end is very unsatisfying.
0: yeah where it's just the two dudes and yeah yeah
1: yeah and what even was the reason that they were doing the murders um
0: it was just like i don't
1: know oh 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 that's right um oh that, that they make up for the movie that there was a, a sixth murder um that there was like a forgotten murder
0: right 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 that, right.
1: that everyone forgot about and everyone paying attention to the movies and um everything here i'm pulling up
0: yeah uh, uh, i
1: just yeah. want to double check it we right here yeah in real life there were five deaths and in this remake they, proposed they there, was, that a there six. was a sixth death that was forgotten about so okay that's a clever concept i can see why in development while they were coming up with this that that was a neat idea and a way to be real meta but i just didn't I was more like what?
0: It felt a little shoehorned in or something. Yeah,
1: it, um, it just it just didn't work that well. And I get why like they couldn't just leave it like that that the killers were undiscovered because then they were then just That's what making. makes
0: I mean that's what makes the fucking like original so it, interesting.
1: It is what it, it's what makes the movie work.
0: Like yeah. you don't know Like, and I know, and I, and I know that's like weird to say because like, yeah, it's based on a true thing, but like, it also makes it an effective movie. Um, Now, we also, I I will say though, we, we do get, um, this is actually a weird thing. Uh, We get Charles B. Pierce's son as a character, uh, who's played by an actor named Dennis O'Hare. But then we oh. also have a cameo by Charles B. Pierce's son as yes. Man in Diner.
1: <laughs> yes. 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 I'm so happy he brought up. I love that. I love that. That's yeah. so ridiculous and that's so unnecessary and it's so wonderful. Um, the whole scene of which Dennis O'Hare, by the way, is, um, I I I, I watched this with my partner and I, and my partner's like. Where do I know him from? It was like, you know him from American Horror Story. Uh, Like, in American Horror Story, he's like the guy that has half his face burned off in the first season. True Blood as well. Yeah, yeah, which which I could never get into True Blood. I tried, but I could not get into that show.
0: Yeah, I I don't think I ever actually watched it.
1: Um, some people love it. I know there's some people whose taste I totally trust that love True Blood. Myself personally, I couldn't get into it. But I know him. He's a reoccurring character in a shit ton of American Horror Story, and I love him in American Horror Story. But yeah, I think that is so fucking funny that he plays the filmmaker son, and he has like when he has like that like uh, room with all the memorabilia from the original yeah. movie, which. I don't know. I don't know. I, I be honest. I never even tried to look it up. I'm just wondering now, like, I wonder if any of that was actual real memorabilia from the original movie. <laughs> it would not surprise me at all. Yeah. Considering yeah, that the sun actually is in this movie.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, great. I, 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 it.
0: uh, it's like, I'll be in your movie, but not as myself. Uh, I want to play man in diner.
1: No, no, it's probably like we would like to have you in the movie. No, you won't play yourself. We are gonna hire an actor to play you. You oh, can yeah, yeah, yeah. you can be in another scene. That's <laughs> that's how it works in reality. That's probably true. Oh man. But yeah, I I I thought it was a very interesting creative attempt at doing another movie in this franchise. And it's like, how do you do a new the town that dreaded sundown this is how you do it now yeah. do you like to movie or not uh i mean that's up to that's up, that's up to the viewer i do think that like in terms of um this is much more slasher also than the original was this is very much a slasher movie. the original i don't think feels like a slasher so if you're someone that's like uh where are all the modern slashers if you haven't seen the new town the town that dread sundown this is a slasher you then missed and you should probably yes. check out
0: yes um, yeah um what do you have anything else on this particular film or,
1: or, or um i don't think I have anything else on this particular movie yeah um, yeah yeah, I, yeah that's 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 everything that i got for 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 the the remake
0: all right so my guess is that you recommend both but oh no no recommend one of the other
1: or we got one more final piece of this story
0: oh yeah yeah yeah.
1: we've got one more final piece of this oh yeah it's a Texarkana starting in 2003 in their public park on Halloween night at 7 p.m. do a public f- public screening for free of the original the town the dreaded sundown every year and they have not stopped since 2003 and it has also turned into a little mini like festival celebration in the town over the movie and that what i really want to point out is that the original murders the original murders traumatized the community and they took away joy from the community. Like I talked about that band that used to play in the town and they never played Mm -hmm. another show afterwards. They traumatized that those murders traumatized generations of people in this community and took away people's experiences for joys. And that horrifying traumatic situation was reinterpreted through underground independent art and at the time of its release was controversial and people didn't think that it had like really anything positive to offer now flash forward decades this small town like this this is still like this is still a tiny ass fucking town it's to be quite frank not a town a place that a lot of us really want to fucking go to ever in our lives and this town I've doesn't have. It. And this town doesn't have much, but now they have the town of Dread Sundown, and they've embraced it. And yep. for um, next year, will be twenty years of them doing sponsored by the town this little Halloween celebration of Hey, we have a serial killer that never got caught. We have horror movies made about our town. That's something we can take pride in. In the long term, the town healed and worked out that's what art does i wouldn't say it worked out i'd say it healed and it ended up ended up having a it ended up having a positive um rehabilitation of its trauma yeah Not that it worked out. It'd be better if all those people didn't die and weren't
0: raped. Yeah, obviously.
1: And the community wasn't traumatized in such a way. But at the end, decades, generations later, it's also kind of like a point of pride. Like, yeah, this happened to us. This is our town.
0: And we're still here.
1: And we're still here, and people made movies about us. Like, I think at the end of the day, like, the only way you can take that as positive definitely so that's my kind of a like concluding point for the town that dreaded sundown and why we had to do both the original movie the remake sequel and the murders all together because there's no way to approach one of these things without talking about all of the others
0: yeah like yeah, it's just really, feel... like
1: this is truly a horror movie that was wrapped up in its community and in in real life societal murders and issues and lawsuits and everything and protests and like everything. This was a movie that crossed over into the real world.
0: It's wild it's yeah, it's definitely, yeah.
1: So, a little bit different for our show, but, like, something I was super psyched to talk about.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this is essentially a show about exploitation movies. And
1: <laughs> and, and sometimes the exploitation gets really fucking heavy and abstract and meta and weird, and yep. this is one of those cases. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move on here. Um, That's all I got, Lucas. You got anything else for this? I do anything not. Anything else you want to bring up?
0: I do not.
1: Alright, um, so let's get on to our recommendation phase. Um what do you recommend from everything we talked about here? Yeah,
0: so um I do recommend both movies. Um I would say I would but I would say I, I, I enjoyed the original a lot better or a lot more than I enjoyed the um the requel. Um I don't recommend murder good
1: good um, good because i think spotify yeah. you've already told me there's other crimes i'm not allowed to endorse yeah, on the I, show. I, I, so if you do endorse murder and i wasn't allowed <laughs> to endorse my crimes then i would have serious issues
0: yeah yeah no i i don't think yeah i, I do not endorse murder so you know spotify keep us on the air um uh, but yeah no i would i would say like definitely check out town the dreaded sundown like it's it's so so fun it's it's a it's a it's such a, a quality film and um i don't know the requel's fun too uh just uh just uh, temporary expectations it's a different it's a diff it, they're they're both good for very different reasons
1: i very much recommend the original town the Dreaded sundown Um, Mm -hmm. watching it again here for the show, I was honestly surprised at how solid of a movie it is and how well it still holds up. And especially like how good of a serial killer investigation movie it is, which, oh shit, I didn't even get, I, I completely spaced about this earlier in the episode. It's also worth noting that when the Phantom of Texarkana was active, the concept of a serial killer didn't even exist yet. People don't realize that, oh, right. but the concept right. of a serial killer didn't come about till roughly, um, I, I want to say it's like the 60s or 70s. That like the the idea of a random person in random individual killing unrelated people unrelated to them was literally a concept that was not grasped by law enforcement until like shockingly shockingly recent in our history but um like but like the movie uh town of dread sundown does an amazing job of kind of showing like what early early serial killer investigations looked like over realizing like somebody's fucking doing this and Mm -hmm. we have to stop them like we don't even know how to begin with something like this it's really really good uh horror thriller like dark crime movie um so yeah I, I very very much recommend it i also very much recommend looking into uh more information about the original murders of the phantom of Texarkana. um if like if you're listening to this i know you're a fan of podcasts i can highly recommend that the red web podcast has a great hour and a half long episode going over um all the murders that happened, all the suspects, all the evidence, and it's a really great overview of the case. Um, In terms of the remake sequel, I feel like that's a completionist thing. Like, if you're really digging all this, all right, finish finish up there, but I don't really think you're missing anything if you skip it. I think it's a really ambitious, ingenious attempt at something. I just... Uh, the the movie just gets bogged down with long periods of just being generic teen horror film, and it has like yeah. real has a, a few real moments of greatness, and then it gets bogged down in the rest of it.
0: So, yeah, the caveat there is you're not a slasher fan. So yeah,
1: if you're a big slasher fan, <laughs> then you're probably gonna fucking love it. Uh, yeah. I I am not, and so I I I kind of started getting bored at points.
0: Fair fair.
1: it starts going into real slasher movie format whereas the original movie is what a real life serial killer does and it's like yes it's it's a lot more random it's a lot more horrific
0: yeah
1: Um, like both movies i still argue the most upsetting scene out of both movies to me personally is that guy getting shot through the window
0: yeah because it's so just yeah
1: he has no idea what's happening right behind his head. He's having a conversation with his wife, reading his newspaper after a long day at work, and there's then bullets in his head. Yep. I, I think that's the most upsetting scene in both movies. And, yeah. Which happened in real fucking life, once again. That really happened. That guy was really sitting on his chair, reading his newspaper, talking to his wife, and shot in the head in the win- through the window. That really happened,
0: minding his own business in his own fucking house, yeah, crazy,
1: uh, um, all right, at right. sundown, holy shit, that was fucking fun,
0: yeah, all right, so um, next week, I already kind of have a movie in mind. uh we did discuss yes. it,
1: yeah, so, so next week we're going back to trauma, yeah and and we've been, uh, like, like focusing a little bit more in later year shit, and we had the, like, idea of going a little bit further back, a little bit more classic trauma.
0: Yeah, so... Um,
1: what do you got for us?
0: This movie um, is... Uh, so, it's a movie that was shot independently in Philadelphia, um, and it's uh, called Girls' School Screamers. It's a nineteen eighty-six supernatural slasher movie. Um and uh yeah, it's weirdly on Troma's Wikipedia page, it's it's listed as a, a film formerly produced or or I'm sorry, form formally or formerly uh distributed by Troma, but it's on Troma now, so I guess it's
1: I guess they got the rights back. I guess
0: they got the rights back. Wait, so I don't we, know.
1: So we've already been over so many times on this show. Choma is not updating their information anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay. Uh, so it's girl, school, screamers.
0: Oh, so it's is girls, it just, plural, school, girls, school, screamers.
1: Screamers. Yeah. <laughs> Do girls not
0: say it school. five times fast.
1: Out. Oh my god, I'm gonna have such a hard time next episode <laughs> getting, the, getting the title of the fucking movie out. Yeah. I actually had some issues with the town that dreaded sundown. It's a great title. <laughs> it's a great title, but I have a hard time with, with with getting all those words out of my mouth in that order. Though so not nearly as bad as girls' school screamers. Oh, that's gonna yeah. be rough on me. As yeah. it, you can hear my PSS. You can hear my speech impediment already coming out that little bit of slur coming out already, yeah all right, so that's what we're doing next episode i I am yes I, I I've never seen the movie, Lucas, have you ever seen the movie?
0: I did I saw it on in a theater about ten years ago.
1: oh, holy shit, all right well i am I am interested in what then that we're gonna be talking about it. You've already seen it great,
0: yeah, so
1: I guess that gives us to uh gets us to plugs plugs. And yeah. I think I know exactly what we want to plug this episode.
0: Yeah, I think we should plug uh, so, Judith.
1: You know, before yeah, sorry. Before you say spoil, spoil exactly is, at Killercon this year, the Gross out contest happened, and yep. I normally host the Gross Out contest, and I wasn't there. I didn't host it, but Lucas, you were there. Lucas, can you tell us about the Gross out contest from this year, and can you tell us who won it? And where they can get their story?
0: Oh, gosh. So, first of all, for the uninitiated, the gross-out contest is uh, just a fucking wonderful thing that happens at various horror conventions where horror writers have uh, three minutes, three, three to, to six minutes, minutes. Three to five uh, minutes, generally. Uh, minutes. Uh, yeah, to, uh, to um, tell the grossest fucking story uh that they can and um yeah the winner this year was author judith sonnet who i have um i believe i've plugged on this show before um she and i were tabling uh at the convention and um yeah super good writer um but she she won and um she uh with a story called lolcal which um you know, if you if you don't know what that is, uh, you can do a quick search on the internet. But it's basically somebody who um, basically gets chosen by uh, internet bullies as a source for laughs. Um,
1: oh, is this based off of like Chris Chan?
0: It. Uh, do you know maybe. what Chris Chan is? I actually don't. I don't.
1: Oh, I'm curious. Oh, anyone that does know what Chris Chan is right now, it's listening is automatically cringing.
0: Yeah. Um so her story um Law Cow, uh, one um and she she ended up uh she's actually just uh just published it along with some other like super gross stories um
1: it's in a in collection a, called in a, yeah. something akin to revulsion and yes. it's out right now on Amazon on ebook and the uh, paperback edition will be out oh i by the time hopefully by the time this episode by the time this oh, episode no, is the this up the uh paperback will be out definitely i'm sure of it. Is.
0: cool cool yeah so um i mean i recommend anything she writes like she's i mean it's crazy how how quickly she she puts stuff out but like it's all quality stuff and it's a lot of it and most of it is is very vile so if you're in like gross out fiction like Judith is the author for you. Um, so I would I would say definitely grab this uh, one. Man,
1: the second that paperback edition is up, I am so ordering that. I'm excited yeah. to check out this story that won because like I wasn't there. I wasn't there yeah. at the gross out.
0: I know, I know.
1: Instead, instead you had to have the other Jeff host.
0: Jeff Strand, Jeff Strand.
1: Yeah, Good. the other Jeff. The other Jeff. The
0: other Jeff. <laughs>
1: I, I love Jeff Shannon. He's great. He's great. Jeff Shannon. Super funny so guy. Nobody 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 take that as anything negative. But yeah, I um I don't have anything else to plug. I just want to highlight um uh Jeff as well for winning with uh the Gross out contest. Gotta highlight the Gross out contest.
0: That's yeah.
1: our episode this week. That was a wild episode this week. That was a lot of big ideas. We're gonna be back in the fucking uh
0: The trenches, is the Trauma.
1: Yeah, the trenches of Trauma next week. No more big ideas. No more big talk. Like, like. Well, actually, who knows? We might. There might be. We'll find out.
0: <laughs> we'll see. <laughs>